1: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hi, I'm Mike Judge, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to season six, episode 12 of Music is Not a Genre MXG. Last week, uh, my G was a little sloppy, so I was trying to mm, really nail it this time and not hit the microphone again. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Uh, and as always in the middle of this episode, you can see how you can support this as we're starting a new year. This is the first episode of 2024. And as we're starting this year, I would love to have you on board at Patreon. Patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, and that kind of explains why I am doing this episode, the freewheeling catch up. machine. let's do that again. Take, I'm not editing this by the way, the freewheeling catch up machine. Number six. How well-known is well-known? So why am I doing a catch-up episode? Now, if you've been following along last few years, I do a catch-up episode usually mid-season at the end of the season. Uh, I believe I started this season with a catch-up episode because last season I ended with a celebration episode with friends and with family, with actually just family, Uh, um, and I was going to wait until, you know, midway through this season to do another catch-up episode, but then something happened. My fan engagement and, and, and numbers just started to, to skyrocket, primarily because of a couple episodes, uh, and we're going to get to that very soon. And so what I realized was if I don't do a catch-up episode soon... I won't be able to catch up. It's going to be two hours of me reading fan comments. And as much as you might love that, if you're that fan, you may not because you have to wait to hear your comment. And so I thought this would be a better time to do this. And so and, and why the subtitle? Why how well-known is well-known? Because most of what I'm talking about fits into the, the, that general theme, which is you're gonna hear the names of bands and artists that you uh, you probably know. If you don't know, then you're either real young or you may need to consult your doctor. And what that and and yet, you may not know what you think you know about those artists. So how well known are they really? You know them by name. You know one era or something like that. Which by the way, next week's episode which is all about, there's no such thing as a heyday, talks about uh, eras and stuff like that and how that can be deceptive. But that's kind of the general theme of this, is these artists are known, but how well-known really are they? And the fans who have commented, lovely fans, kind of... uh, prove that to me more than I could even prove it to myself. By the way, uh, as always, a bonus episode for every main episode. If you go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre, this week the bonus episode is you, which means this. I'm not doing a bonus episode, but I am opening myself up to conversations one-on-one with anybody who is a Patreon member. So if you go to patreon.com/slash music is not a genre, you can have a direct conversation with me. Uh, and you can join for free for starters. And uh then it's pretty cheap after that. So give it give it some consideration. Let's get to uh some comments here before I get into the to the meat uh of the matter. Actually, the meat of the matter are the comments. First comment. Uh my Video, uh, acoustic version, uh, actually it was a piano version, of Prince's Mountains, which I said, oh, it's a song you don't know that well. So again, how well known is well known. You may know Prince and Kiss in 1999 and Purple Rain, but do you know mountains? Uh, A guy on YouTube, Richard Alva, 5850 said, coming from a big Prince fan like myself, that wasn't too bad, and that's a compliment, Smiley Face. And I think I said something like, coming from an equally big Prince fan, I consider that a high compliment, and uh, and I do. And so thank you, Richard Alva. Uh, for Backtalk 2, which was my discussion with Steve Erickson on a second look at first albums, uh, early career albums of artists that we may want to revisit, uh, This again, this is about Prince. Prince's early quarantine was for lots of reasons. Race, the content of the lyrics, uh, his, his genre fluidity, his gender fluidity, at least, uh, you know, presentationally. And, and, an, art, an artist an artist blows up their paradigm to allow more ideas to come in. And I think that's something that I kind of missed when we were talking about how artists transition from early career stuff to mid and late career stuff. And that is there are artists who deliberately throw a wrench in the gears and break the mold that they, they themselves made so that they can allow more ideas to come in and to not be pigeonholed into doing one thing. I've done that several times uh, in my uh, career when I was was just going under the name Nick and then I started Wreck and then I took a break to do movie music under the drop and and then you know 2020 is the weird objective where I went everywhere with all different genres but very in very specific ways and even more so with the upcoming album Kite to Camden where it's like all of that all at once uh all or at least all on one album uh so, back talk two is an episode worth revisiting <laughs> as well. Number three, wombats. Uh, a couple of things here. I neglected to mention in that episode that uh, about bands who are electro power pop, like the wombats, like Wreck, uh, Which there's a you know people who are only listening. My entire diorama is just uh, an old CD of mine, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. It's uh, the the featured song is on there. And uh, and that was sort of the start of my prime electro-power-pop years. Uh, I didn't mention that Duran Duran, huge electro-power-pop. Now, subsequently, I did an entire Duran Duran episode, and we are going to get to that big time later. But I think it would have been great if I had mentioned it during the Wombats episode, which, by the way, if you're a Duran Duran fan out there, and you may be because you're, you've really come through big time for Music Is Not a Genre, Uh, go listen to the Wombats, you know, with an open mind. Obviously, they're not going to be exactly like Duran Duran, but they're from Liverpool. They have that British mentality of uh, creating music. They are electro power pop in the way that Duran Duran has been for most of its career. I think you really enjoy them. Uh, I feel like the Wombats are kind of a mix of... Squeeze lyrics and Duran Duran style, if that makes any sense. And if you don't know Squeeze, uh, shame on me for not telling you more about Squeeze. I should do an episode on them. Uh, number four, Beatles, uh, part eight, infinite, infinite influence about all the uh, bands and music that were influenced by the Beatles. That melodic bass that McCartney didn't maybe didn't pioneer, but certainly brought to the fore uh, more than anyone else really before him and, and many others after, became a huge part of punk and post-punk, and uh, there there were other specifics there. Also, uh, Danny Levitt said that he enjoyed that episode, and the reason that's worth mentioning is because he was a part of, uh, the, uh, for just a bit, of Beatles band, the one that we did the shows in in Florida, so thank you, Danny. Uh, Yin-Yang, my Yin-Yang episode. Uh, my good friend Steve Erickson, who's been on this show often, uh, pointed out that overexposure. So yin yang was the things you think you hate, you might actually love or whatever. Um, Steve pointed out that overexposure can make you hate something too, but that it doesn't happen as often now that uh, radio and MTV and other, you know, outlets like that are in decline or, you know, gone in a lot of ways because we have such targeted listening And and don't just casually listen to the radio or whatever. It's rare that we feel like a song is overplayed, although, you know, if you go to enough stores or where they're just playing, you know, general music, you will hear a lot of the same songs, especially, you know, especially during certain seasons, let's just say. Uh, my Steve Rosen episode where I interviewed Steve Rosen who wrote the book on Eddie Van Halen and his relationship with Eddie I asked the question how involved uh, was Eddie Van Halen in the music of Van Halen in general beyond just being the guitarist and Travis Lee 325 on YouTube said he was every bit of the music every note duh And what I like about this is that clearly Travis Lee is a big fan of Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, And and what else I like about this is that because I did this episode with Steve Rosen and read the book and all of that and the bonus episode, which went deeper into Van Halen's career on patreon.com slash music is not a genre, I learned so much about Van Halen that I didn't know, even having grown up with a lot of their music. Uh, And it shows that that rabid fans like Travis Lee do know that. And so that was kind of cool. We're getting down to an area where it's going to get crazy. We're not there yet.
0: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
2: So number seven is my episode on uh, Depeche Mode and New Order. Uh, a couple of comments here from people on YouTube. Uh, up one sr on YouTube, which I do not believe that was their birth name, but maybe, said, uh, which was your favorite, I asked? Depeche Mode, of course. But without Vince Clark, there wouldn't be a Depeche Mode or Yaz or Erasure, for that matter. And Two reasons I love that. One, somebody who knows music well and thank you mag Up 1SR. But number two, uh that was what my bonus episode was on for Depeche Mode and New Order was all about Vince Clark. And how prolific Vince has been and, and to not know that name and yet to know those big bands Depeche Mode, and New Order, uh, Depeche Mode, Yaz and Erasure, it's something you you would want to dive into, the, the career of Vince Clark. Uh, Magup also said, Depeche Mode and New Order spawned and inspired lesser known bands like c Cause and Effect, Camouflage, Book of Love, Information Society, etc. The only one of those I ever heard of was Information Society. I used to play a song of theirs when uh, I was a DJ. And uh, the others I don't know I should look up because I I love that this person knows about them and has exposed me to the names of these bands. It's one of the things I like about this is discovering new stuff. Also mentioned The Cure was well, somewhat different from Depeche Mode in Order due in part to The Cure staying uh, with mainly instruments as opposed to keyboards, just like The Smiths, but I digress. You do digress, Mag. What are you doing there? And I, I actually love that. And the 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 thing I want to point out there is that the Cure predated Depeche Mode and New Order, so it's kind of you know hard to say they were influenced in some ways. Maybe Depeche Mode and Order were influenced by the Cure, although maybe not. You know, all these British bands kind of pulled from some of the same kind of po- punk and post-punk uh, elements and influences. Uh, yeah, and the cure did quite a bit with electronics as well, though you're right that they were primarily, you know, acoustic instruments. At Bright with Spirit on YouTube said, Regret is my favorite New Order song, too. Uh, Depeche Mode is my favorite band overall, and I mean, that, that's cool because that's a kindred spirit, kindred Bright with Spirit, apparently. Because as much as I love a lot of New Order's output uh Depeche Mode is still my favorite by a decent margin and Regret from 93 which was kind of a comeback uh, song for them is huge in my New Order listening catalog there are actually quite a few songs that post date Regret that I enjoy too and it's something I always say and when I talk about no such thing as a heyday next week I'll talk about how you're missing out on a lot of great music if you're a so-called fan of an artist but you stop listening to them after their so-called heyday ended there's a there's likely a lot of great music that they created after that uh something super near and dear to my heart in these comments for this next episode which is uh george winston death is dumb 15 Uh, A couple of things. Ellen Marie Mitchell uh, reposted the episode on Facebook. Thank you so much for doing that. Reposts are golden uh, for people who do what I do. Uh, On YouTube, Jilly Lovett 7735 said that she was friends with George Winston from 1969 to the mid-1990s. He would play music for her over the phone on his acoustic guitar. If you don't know who George Winston is, an amazing piano player who recently died, so that blew me away. But she goes on to say he was heavily influenced, uh, by, among others, by James Taylor, which I I believe I, I, was it this year? I don't know, one season, started out with an episode on James Taylor, did a whole episode on James Taylor. So that's that's something to go and look up, which shows you what a big fan I am. But it's, I guess, no coincidence that I'm also a big fan of, of George Winston because there's some influence there. Uh, she loved the memorial episode I did on George uh, Winston. Uh, he, She said he played ballads and blues songs for her as he worked them out. So Ballads and Blues 1972 was George Winston's first official album, and it wasn't released in 72. It was released many years later. But while he was writing them, I guess, in the late 60s, early 70s, he would play the songs for her. Very cool. Uh, uh, The screen name or username on YouTube, John Scott, 3569, whose name is actually Patrick. Hello, Patrick. I hope you're watching this. Uh, We've corresponded quite a bit, and I've enjoyed it very much. Patrick said, hi, this whole episode is fantastic, thanks. Again, this is crazy. I was actually friends with George Winston. He was the kindest and smartest man I ever knew, and it feels so surreal that he passed away. George was in love with music and always up for giving advice about that and life. He actually passed from one form of cancer. The news release made it sound like he was battling a few kinds at once, but he'd had cancer three times before and beaten those. I miss him so much, but I'm glad he's resting now. Uh, Apparently, he was also Patrick's long-distance piano mentor. Uh, Patrick uh, sent me some of his original music uh, piano music. Uh, great stuff. Uh, I recommend you uh, hooking up with Patrick maybe check out the George Winston episode and see the comments and comment through there and say hello to Patrick and find his music. You can hear the George Winston influence for sure in Patrick's music. Now he says he was his long distance piano mentor but but then he sent me a video of post-concert, I don't know when, fairly recently, George Winston standing in an auditorium watching Patrick play one of his original compositions and watching and listening attentively, which it just, again, shows you what a great guy he was and how in love with music he was. And that was one of the things I said to Patrick, which was that He's, Patrick said he loved music so much, and I said, I, I said, moreover, I think he was in love with music, and I find that there's a difference between the two. I think almost everybody, almost, not everyone, but almost everyone loves music in one form or another, some song that's special to them or band or era or whatever. But to be in love with music is a whole different thing. You feel a passion for the world of it and are kind of voracious for it, and that's whether you are a musician who doesn't create, a musician who does create originals, or just a listener, you can be in love with music. And I have had a sort of a sixth sense for knowing which artists are in love with music. And in fact, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of the artists that are on my heart artist list, which if you know MXG terms, it's an artist you can never live without, uh, are probably people who are in love with music. Uh, you know, I don't know, look up the Hard Artist episode, you'll get to see the list and listen to me read it off. Next one before we get to the magnum uh, craziness here towards the end, and this one's somewhat crazy on its own, and that is, uh, this is comments on my uh, Death is Dumb episode on the Bee Gees, quite a few of them, and quite a few views as well. Mary Mays8846 on YouTube said, uh, yes, she really does know the BGs." uh nice concise comment and I'm glad you do uh, but that means something and you'll you'll hear what it means as I read off some of these comments cuz it's way past disco willow4389 on youtube said growing up in the 70s as a tween i first knew andy gibb then i became aware of the bg's from the radio starting with nights on broadway which has remained a favorite that is good as uh, early seventies, as I moved into my teens, I was into rock and wasn't a huge disco fan, so didn't really pay much attention to them after that. Although it was hard to escape at the time. A couple of years ago, I stumbled upon some of their early work and went down the Bee Gees rabbit hole, and have become an obsessed super fan. Sounds like me. I really enjoy all the eras. Disco uh, still isn't my favorite, but I do find I enjoy it more in context of their entire catalog. I completely understand. I love the variety no matter what mood I'm in, there, there, or no matter what mood I'm in, there is BG's music to enjoy. I have workout playlists and soul playlists and early 60s rock, country, folk, including some of the early Australia stuff, which is on YouTube. It's fun to see. Uh, and that's a great point about the Bee Gees is that uh, they didn't just do one kind of music. I think main course and sizes and everything are tied for favorite album. I'll again, early 70s albums, but that is closely followed by Mr. Natural, same era. This is Where I Came In, which is much later, and Still Waters, I believe also much later. I also quite enjoy Life in a Tin Can, again, early 70s, when I'm in a folky mood. And each one of their albums had a, just a, such a different flavor. I think Horizontal is my favorite from the 60s, although BG's First might take that spot on some days. And I've just mentioned what, six albums, seven albums? They're all different. They're all, in some ways, wildly different, in some ways, just shades of different. Then there's Cucumber Castle. Oh heck, I guess it would be easier to talk about what I don't like. LOL. And if and if you know, didn't know that the BG's created an album and I believe a song as well called Cucumber Castle, you need to learn more. I think Harry Braff has to be my least favorite BG song. Okay, we disagree there. I enjoy Harry Braff. Um uh, Gala Lyles 4095 on YouTube said, I didn't really know who the Bee Gees were until about five years ago. However, there were songs that I loved over the years that I just moved that just moved me like no other. I was totally surprised to realize that these songs were written and/or sung by the Bee Gees. For example, I loved to love somebody. How deep is your love? When the songs from Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb came out in 1980 and 1981, I was hooked and bought the the, uh, the Guilty album. Still didn't know who Barry Gibb was, but the songs were almost hypnotic. And those of you who don't know, it was a period when Barry Gibb in particular and the BGs in general were writing songs for other artists. Um, somewhat because they had always done that, but partly because this was the disco backlash and they were still finding ways to create music, kind of an end run around that. I love their 1980 songs written for Kenny Rogers, but still didn't know the BGs wrote them. Yeah, island's in the stream. Finally, uh, I researched these songs. Thanks to YouTube, I finally saw them sing all the songs I love. They've been a huge Bee Gees fan ever since. I'm in mean, all of their immense talent, passion, and their humility. They were truly a class act. Barry is a living legend and a cut above most artists. You should watch the documentary. Laura Veteretti, 1323 on YouTube, said, I love everything they did from the very beginning. I remember when they broke up in 1969, which is true. Robin left... There was an album where it was just two of them, Morris and uh, Barry, which if you're not a Bee Gees fan, and I guess I wasn't until recently, it's not Maurice, it's Morris. Um uh when i just turned nine years old in 1969 my least favorite of their incarnations is actually the 76 79 disco era which is cool because you know for everybody else that's all they know they had a fan they had fantastic songs in the 80s 90s and 2000s that are criminally underrated i agree if i had to choose i would say i love the 67 to 74 music because it is more pure less bells and whistles but main course is their best album as far as i'm concerned uh, hard to argue with that. I think that's one of my faves, and that era is pretty awesome. Barry and Robin were the face, but Morris was the glue. His death was the end. Sadly, I miss what could have been. And I always thought that Mar- Morris was the glue. It seemed like the kind of the, the quieter one, but there was something going on there that made him essential. Uh, and the fact that Robin was more of a face than anybody realized is something you should look at because his performance is. Uh, dynamic and at times kind of funny uh lenny prof on youtube said bg's been around my whole life i love them but i love them even more when they changed their style to r&b soul and started falsetto which not everyone agrees with i love that you love that they were like angelic voices to my ears and i don't even like too high notes (laughs) my youth was the way the way the high notes are done from varying vocalists that make the difference my youth was spent in an eastern european country where Western music wasn't allowed, but there were few exceptions and Bee Gees were one of them. You can't buy an album, but we found all kinds of ways to get our hands on good music. At that time, every macho had to have records of them. Macho man, I guess. If he wanted to make a certain atmosphere. I understand what he's saying. How deep is your love is forever related to my first love. Unfortunately, their phenomenal success was their drama. And in some ways, their downfall, at least in the States. Bee Gees were never disco to me. Donna Summer and Boney M were disco, which if you don't know Boney M, that means you're not from Europe. Uh, But in some of my research for disco, huge in Europe for many years, even after. If they were stuck in the past, critics would say they're not evolving. But when they change in step with new music and are top, it's still not good. All artists go through that, except ones who are beyond uh, media reproach, uh, which some get there. It seems some music labels didn't like their chart dominance and downplayed their talent on purpose. I didn't know that. Wouldn't surprise me, though. Music labels can be pretty trashy. I'm glad they proved it through other artists, which is what the other woman said about them writing music for others. I remember gloating when they were back on top with Barbra Streisand, which I get that. I love it when an artist falls away uh, from the media and gets in some ways demonized or just forgotten and then comes back. That's always fun for me. That's part of what next week's episode is about. U.S. – the U.S. owes Sir Barry Gibb a big apology and better do it while he's still alive. R.I.P. Andy, Morrison, and Robin, which of course is why I made it a Death is Dumb episode. Uh, I, I do think, and I don't know if it necessarily is an apology, but a revisiting of the music that they did pre and post disco would be great for the U.S. Uh, I think some people are doing that already. Uh, As we know, we have a small community here doing that. Hopefully, that will extend more and more and more and more because there's way more Bee Gees music out there that's honestly, it would blow you away how diverse it is. And just check out my episode on the Bee Gees and you'll you'll hear and see why. And I think because we're getting into kind of a crazy uh, final-ish section of this episode, this is a good time to take a break. So stay tuned for my lovely mid, mid-roll mid announcement, as we call it, and please uh, patronize the various things that I mentioned there and, the, and go to my website, nickdomadio.com, and check out all the other stuff I do, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realize that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdomadio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdomadio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash at genre, or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash genre, just go to com. It's all there. If you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers for my band REC, REC, and beyond. It's at NickDimadio.com, including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your soc. My acting clips are there. My voiceover clips are there. Graphic design, my blog, and most especially, it's the best place to contact me. If you go to NickDimadio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page. You can send me a note, say hello, ask me any questions you'd like. You get a newsletter a few times a month and... If you have a project of your own and need work done for it, whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design, or if you have an event and you need live music, go to nickdomadio.com, contact me, say hello, let me know what you need. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Did you listen to that mid-roll? I ask this every now and then because I'm a podcast listener more than I have ever been, really. I'm still not, I wouldn't say, voracious for podcasts. That's more, I'm more of a TV guy. But I do listen to quite a few uh, now, including Tech Talk with Tim and Ted. And what I have started doing is leaving the commercials on while I'm listening, especially if I'm like doing dishes or working out or whatever, partly because I don't want to go over there and hit that, you know, fast forward button several times, but also because there's a reason why those commercials are there. They're there to help support the podcast. So if you didn't listen or watch, you know, that mid-roll, please just go back a little bit and check out what I'm talking about. It's really short and there's some valuable information there uh, and I would appreciate your support. So let's get to... There's a couple you know, sections left in this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, one is uh, the comments I'm going to jump into right now, and then it's uh, the featured song and the questions and how I always end every podcast, and I'll talk about the bonus episode or lack thereof. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because this next section of comments uh, is larger than all of the other comments sections combined and larger than any other comment section of any uh, video I've ever done on YouTube. And again, if you're just listening, youtube.com slash at music is not a genre, you get to see every single one of these episodes and and see uh, what uh, parts of my face don't have makeup, which would be all of it. And this case, this is now... A short of two uh, videos that I threw up there a few years ago that featured my voiceover work uh, for Ozempic and Indeed, indeed Indeed.com. This is now the most played video on uh, my YouTube channel, uh, which as of this recording has well over uh, 2,000 views, which for someone, you know, my level is pretty great, as well as uh, a ton of new subscribers. Please do subscribe on YouTube. Uh, it's becoming a really fun place and fun family. So I'd love to have you there. And the episode I'm talking about is the one on Duran Duran. And there's something I have to say, uh, about it. That was the first thing I thought of. Cause I'm, I, I, you know, I do an episode and then I'm like, ah, I should have said that, you know, there was some, Old SNL skit, and I don't remember who the, who the co-star was for that, the host, where they, there was like a phone booth or bathroom that was a time machine that would take you back like, you know, a minute, just one minute. So that way, if you, there was something funny you wanted to say in conversation, but you didn't do it, you could go back and do it. I need one of those, uh, especially for the podcast. So what I wanted to say was, in in it was as if in 1993, Duran Duran figured out how to say important things with with both weight and sugar, uh, because there were certainly important things that were said in previous songs of theirs, uh, like Arcadia, which, uh, for my money, I found uh, lyrically somewhat ponderous a little over the top but a lot of that kind of 80s and late 80s especially was like that and other Duran Duran songs but they really hit a sweet spot in 93 with the wedding album or just Duran Duran uh, and then of course the subsequent subsequent uh, you know mentions of uh, political and social issues they were they had hit their stride, and from the you know for the next thirty years they've done a great job doing that. Let's get to fans now. Uh, Demetrius Demetrius Sotakis, fourteen eighty six. Uh, you can thank me for mispronouncing your name when you send me another message. Agrees that Medazaland is a unique album, and the dudes from Athens, Greece. Hello. Two things about that. First of all, I love that you're from Greece and that you're watching this uh, this podcast. I love that you commented. So I guess three three four things. I love that you love Midazzolan. That gets mentioned a lot in these comments. It's one that is uh, underrated. One of my favorites. And apparently a lot of other Duran Duran fans' favorites as well. But the fourth reason I like it is because, if you don't know, my band is named Rec, R-E-C, And I created that name a long time ago uh, prior to there being a need for any online presence, et cetera, et cetera, or ways to search. Subsequent to that, a band in Greece named themselves Wreck as well. And although there are a couple of other here and there I've seen, you know, on streaming services and elsewhere, uh, artists named Wreck, which is understandable. It's a good name. Uh, The one that rises to kind of the amount of work I've done, et cetera, et cetera. The only one is the one from Greece. So, uh, Dimitri, do you know this band? Wreck from Greece. All right. Tim Chandler, 4688 on YouTube, said, After Astronaut, they started to record an album with Andy called Reportage. Or Reportage, I don't know. They gave it to the record label, and the record label uh, hated it uh andy left that was one of the times he left and it was shelved word is the next album is going to be that now i don't know if it's that album that material or they're just going to call it reportage or reportage and have new material or a combination i love that rumor because i don't pick up on a lot of that stuff online i'm not somebody who does a lot of trolling or whatever and and uh I don't read a ton of other people's comments um, unless we're having a conversation like we are here. So thank you for that information. E N L M on YouTube said, Great podcast. All you need is now is tops tops my list for favorite Duran Duran album after Rio, which, by the way, favorite spelled O-U. So I believe that you are from Britain maybe or or were from Britain. And that's awesome because, of course one of my all-time favorite music countries, maybe my favorite. Man Who Stole a Leopard, Girl Panic, and Before the Rain are brilliant. Girl Panic and Black Moonlight feed my soul. I love that. And I'm going to say this, and there was a little like laughy with the sweat. I don't, I don't really know what that means. Uh, I'm going to say this. I love the passion for any kind of music. I am a Duran Duran fan. I I would never call myself a rabid Duran Duran fan. I had to catch up with probably 70, 80%, probably 80% of their music when I did that episode. So you can't call me that rabid of a fan. But I understand that feeling of certain songs feeding your soul and the fact that you chose Black Moonlight, which is from their new album, which, by the way, if you missed it, I did a full review of Duran Duran's new album on my uh, two podcasts ago, quick takes from the continuum number four. I talked about Dance Macabre check it out, but I love that and I understand it. Ron Farney, 6477 on YouTube said, been a diehard fan since 1981, now 55, and and I've seen them 73 times live. Uh, I think they still make great albums and love the new one. Uh, I agree with that last part wholeheartedly. I have seen them almost 73 times. I think I'm about 73 short. So uh, I need some. I need to catch up. I mean, one would be great. I believe they're touring again in the states, so that would be fun. I am shoot, you know, my wife and her sister saw Tears for Fears recently. Why can't we go see Duran Duran? Right. All right. Joseph Manzoni eighty five ninety three uh, said, "Reportage uh, was rejected by the record label because it came out during the Iraq War and the songs were rather political. Oh, gee, censorship. And he wasn't too happy with the label dumping it. So this is." great it's fleshing out what the other guy said but also the band had got sick of the label by then and eventually switched labels good for them don't let labels push you around but it, i don't let labels push me around but it is often said that reportage is less electronic and more rock heavy which was more to andy's taste uh it's also more like Medazzaland, which is one of my favorites although i love their electronic stuff how could i not doing electro power pop. The band had mentioned that they plan to relook into reporters after dance macabre. So maybe in another two years, you might hear it. Why not? I I just spent a year revisiting old material, doing reissues and stuff like that. And I plan uh, in a couple of years, hence to do uh, unreleased uh, old material as well. But uh, this year is all about a new rec album and new material. But I understand as an artist being like, well, this is stuff that should have been heard let's get it out there uh suzanne corona 6098 youtube great review been a fan since 83 i too love red carpet massacre which i guess i said in that episode there's so much i said that i forget but that i believe was one of my top albums for the of them kimberly hendron 2097 love duran duran 40 year fan their induction to the rock and roll hall of fame is vindication for all the years critics panned them and I talk I talk about that. They are finally getting the respect they so richly deserve. Thank you for this podcast topic. You're welcome, first of all, and thank you for your message. And also, yeah, another uh, person on YouTube was talking about how they always felt um, that they were given short shrift when it came to their musicianship and songwriting, that they were just seen as a pop band, and I think now they're getting their due, and they have been for a few years, and I think that's great. Honestly, I fell into that trap, which is why, as it dawned on me that Duran Duran kept popping up in my mind for various reasons, I realized there was more to them than that, and hopefully others will too. Alexio Verdo 5225 on YouTube. All you need is now is a fine album. Sound-wise, I'm, in in my opinion, a bridge between their debut Duran Duran and Rio, which is kind of cool and maybe one of the reasons why I like it so much. Had attended their "All You Need Is Now" tour and it was fab. I feel Duran Duran are the Rolling Stones of pop. That's a great way to put it, to be honest, because they've been around over forty years. They've been consistently putting out material. They do good, you know, good vocals, good songwriting, the whole thing. They're a real band. They're not again not just a, a pop band with you know somebody playing tracks behind them. Raymond Sitterly, Raymond Sitterly, 3988 on YouTube. I've been a fan for 40 years. So underrated, all because they were too good looking. And I completely agree with that. That's something I talked about with uh, uh, someone else down the line here. They have written so many great songs, songs that only true fans have heard, and now the boss of Glastonbury won't let them play on the main stage. No offense to the amazing groups, the Pet Shop Boys, Blondie, etc., have all been invited to play Duran Duran or Amazing Live better than most as Simon's voice gets stronger as most group singers of the same time warp 80s have lost their power, and I mean, I agree with that um i don't know about the second part because i don't know all those vocalists that well but simon's voice is as strong as ever you know there are certain artists you you love that they're getting into their 60s 70s 80s and their voices are as strong as ever i said that about uh dolly parton in my podcast episode and a couple of others uh anyways merry christmas to all stop all war Saw them 37 times live. I kind of wish those comments were reversed. Uh, uh, 37 times is is a lot. That's amazing. You're a great fan. Uh, I I agree with Stop All War. And thank you for the holiday wishes, even though this is airing in January. So let's just pretend uh, you meant it for 2024 as well. This
0: episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's
2: shopify.com slash specialoffer. Uh, Jane 1975, my sister and I have been fans since the 80s. We actually went to see them this year, which would be 2023, at the Hydro in Glasgow. Great concert with Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters and young up-and-coming singer called Tia backing them. That's a cool mix. One of the most successful early 80s bands to be successful beyond the 1980s. Very true, and they are, aren't often given credit for that. The suits that they wore in the video for Is There Something I Should Know and Rio were the only ones that the boys had at the time. They were quite poor when they started. Arcadia is also good, too. A lot of people like Arcadia more, more than I do, which I think is cool. Um, you know, this is a good point. Uh, there were a couple of good points there. First of all, is there something I should know? Uh, that title bears repeating because I was talking to a guy who uh, the only song he knew from Duran Duran was "Hungry Like the Wolf," and I would be mentioning all of these other songs like Rio and Reflex. And please, please tell me now, is there something I should know? No, no clue. So there's something you should know. Just so you know that. What I like about this other company—they were quite poor when they started—is that. Uh, if you watched any of the 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 the, the Wham uh, George Michael documentaries, you find that they always had this look at this, especially early on, where they were kind of chic but in a sporty way, and it's made them seem like kind of young rich dudes. They weren't; they were playing at it. I didn't know. I I mean, I I knew that Duran Duran weren't rich, but I but I did never dawn on me to realize, oh, these like stylish suits—that's all they could afford. You know, which I think is awesome that they were able to pinpoint it that quickly. Pit Panusis, seventy eight said they split officially after Live Aid and not before Live Aid. They had their side projects and at the time were still together as Duran Duran. Things fizzled after Live Aid, and Andy left, and then Roger and yeah, we know that. And they did the Power Station and the others. You know, and so pretty interesting stuff and good worth listening to. Uh, Johnny Skinner ninety nine forty four. Brilliant career review. Thank you, Johnny. Agree and many po- agree on many points, not so much about on others. I love that. I'd be scared if everybody agreed on everything or even one person did. But hey, I think the most important thing is people who understand music, who play music and have a musical way in them, as many people just don't, really like or love Duran. And that's the most important thing to me. And it's, I, it's one of the most important things to me, too, because I do come at this from a musician. I always say I'm a music insider, and that's the, one of the things that makes music is not a genre. M X G, forget it, different. Uh, and, and the fact that you can be that type of a music insider and even not be a musician, people who are in love with music again, I think is key. And... And when you are a musician and other musicians like what you do, that's huge. Uh, I have found through my career that other musicians I work with really love what I do, which gives me a, a full heart because it, you understand that there are people out there who understand where you're coming from. And to know that Duran Duran were way more you know m- musical than people give them credit for – uh continuing with the johnny's comment duran forever and i mean that in terms of in a hundred years time like all major massive influential bands artists or uh, 150 maybe 200 years duran songs will be played and enjoyed and being a massive part of music history uh i want to agree with that i you know i guess time will tell and i hope it's true uh jcyz1sf from youtube yep I took a break from them after their tour for Big Thing until around 1995. I missed the wedding album tour and didn't really get into Thank You, which was their covers album. I ended up getting into those albums, I think, around 98 or so. I was instead at the time following John Taylor's solo career, which I know very little about. I have his solo work and saw him play live at Maxwell's and the Count Basie Theater Wow, that's very cool. I was back and full on board in 2002 and three to 2006, but I slipped back out from 2007 on. Even though I bought Red Carpet Massacre and I recently got All You Need Is Now... But I like so much of it. So we're similar. We're actually not that similar in terms of history because I didn't bounce back in until very recently. But the idea of bouncing back in very similar. I'm still so pissed at myself for missing the run of shows in 2008 in NYC. So another dude from NYC. Hello. Then I dropped off the wagon and didn't come back full again until 2020. 2020. That's kind of like me. Now I'm back in like it was 1984, and I love that, and I know how you feel. Debbie Burris, 9453, said, Hi, new here. Seen a couple good things in your channel. So I subscribed. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for watching. Though I feel I need more time to think about your ultra pop question, which I appreciate that. The first band before the cars would be Japan, and that's the ultra meaning electro power pop, power pop, whatever. I didn't know Japan. I'm gonna have to look them up. Who just happened to influence Duran Duran. Another reason to look them up. Well, maybe not that much, but pretty close. Uh, I, I need to see that because I mentioned uh, first power pop band I thought was the Cars. Apparently, Japan predates them. Uh, I'd love to know more about that. First electro power pop. Sorry. There were, there were other power pop bands before the Cars. Uh, I saw Duran Duran live twice in 2022 and twice in 2023. I'm also uh, also still uh i also saw the rock hall induction uh wasn't in new york or at least ohio still salty she said so salty i guess a little mad but i'm thoroughly grateful they are in yes yeah come on half the rock and roll inductions in new york or cleveland my son goes to school in cleveland great topic for a podcast thank you again larry parks Fifteen twenty, nice review his top five first through fifth in that order So I guess that's easy, likes the early stuff. But I like aspects of all the others. I did really enjoy Midazoland, even without JT. Um, So happy to see they're still killing it. Mr. Hitchens on this says, I'm your 220th subscriber. I hope your channel takes off to the stratosphere. Thank you. That's such a nice personal message. And uh, now I have well over 220. So you've been a part of that. Video Benny 3. Good review. Duran Duran fan since 85. Favorite songs from recent album Future Past, Falling, An Anniversary, Paper Gods. What are the chances? And title track. All you need is now. Mediterranean. Mediterranean and Leave a Light On, Red Carpet Massacre, Falling Down and Night Runners, Astronaut, What Happens Tomorrow in Finest Hour, Pop Trash, Playing With Uranium and Title Track, Medazzaland. Be My Icon. Thanks again for the review of my favorite band. Le bon Ron, I always put Medazzaland at number one. Wow. So I love, I saw this more and more, and I was like, I didn't know I hit a vein. From the first day I heard it in 1997. Thank you, LeBan Ron. Carlos uh, Allen, Carlos Allen Duran, 4630, one of two people to point out that Too Shy by Kaja Too Shy to Shy, Hush Hush, How Do I, was produced by Nick Rhodes and Colin Thurston. Nick Rhodes, of course, from Duran Duran. Colin Thurston was. Um, a Durander and producer Anthony Gilbreth four two seven five midazoland genius definitely top three for me Rodrigo Valero Sancho two two three four TV mania got an album called bored with Prozac and the internet very electronic and experimental I need to check that out also Nick Rhodes and Stephen Duffy in the 2000s made a side project based on their early stuff the devils very retro see all these side projects are hard to keep up with quite good both in my opinion also, Duran Duran are famous for their B-sides and bonus tracks, some of them better than many cuts of their official releases. Releases. A lot of people have pointed that out, and thank you for sending me those. Very interesting video, and I agree about Madazzalan. Warren Cucurillo, who played in Frank Zappa's Joe's Garage, was an amazing contributor. I, I don't know much about him still, but a lot of people have mentioned Warren Cucurullo, so somebody to look into. Tom Torres, 212, great episode. As a diehard DD fan since the mid-'80s, I also think Madazzalan is vastly underrated and one of their best albums his top five Durandoran 81 uh so red the rose arcadia midazoland notorious and rio uh not my top five but i love that they're yours burning two bridges i love that you listen to the entire discography that's what i do now i when i started i didn't do that and it really kind of sucked a lot of the uh information and joy out of the the podcasts. and and uh, it just makes sense to do it i call it a chronography when i listen in order to uh primary discography of an artist. Personal favorites, Careless Memories, New Religion, Seventh Stranger, Do You Believe in Shame, Last Day on Earth, Man Who Stole a Leopard, Pressure Off. Album-wise, Rio, First Duran Duran, Future Past, Midazolan. Uh Ruben Rioja, 6443, I view my top albums based on my nostalgic memory of discovering the albums with the actual quality of the overall albums. We We have to do that. Especially if we live them firsthand. My overall top three are separated by a razor thin margin, but Duran Duran 81, Rio, and Medazaland, wow. Big thing, and all you need is now. I love all you need is now as well. I view Arcadia's Duran project more so than Power Station. Makes sense, makes sense, birth and sound and in, in personnel. So, Red the Rose by then would be number four if I included it. Christian uh, Martinson, 461, double D's always evolved. I'm 59 and been a huge fan since my sophomore year in high school. Go, Duran! Also said, Wild Boys is an awesome, awesome video, which it is, and Arcadia was great. Carrie Lake, 4751, well, this goes to show why music is so awesome. You and I listened to the exact same albums and came to almost completely opposite opinions, and yeah, I do love that. My top five in chronological order, because I really can't choose, Duran Duran, Rio Notorious, The Wedding Album, and Astronaut. Pop trash was almost unlistenable, interesting. Red Carpet Massacre sounded more like Timbaland and Justin Timberlake than it did DD. Dee Dee. Now listen, I don't mind that. A lot of artists do that and don't do it well, try to be modernized. They did it well. I'm glad they've gone back to, you know, an amalgam of their older sound and new stuff as well, but that doesn't bother me because I follow new music and I love new music as much as old. Uh, liberty and midazzling were just okay so we do disagree but that's cool the recent albums i like future past the best and i actually prefer all you need is now and or dance macabre and then liz nunya biz or nunya liz We're in a conversation right now. I can't even continue all of it, but thank you so much for everything you have contributed and for opening up this conversation to so many things, even beyond Duran Duran. This, this is a good comment. I know the fans think they aren't, but in their interviews, they would consistently be asked how they felt about all the bashing by critics and them not being considered as serious musicians, mostly in the U S yeah. And then she, and then she gave me tons of other facts. I didn't run across uh and videos and side you know information and all of that again thank you thank you thank you i can't thank you enough uh more from liz none biz uh rio all you need is now our top faves then uh struggle to rank first album uh seven in the ragged tiger i think that's what it was uh the wedding album midazzolan and paper gods great choices uh more from liz bowie tribute five years from 2021 which I had never seen or uh, it was great it was great Uh, Michael you've got a lot to answer for which is from a which I remember listening to that song didn't know it was about Michael Hutchins and I mentioned to her that same around the same year stuck in a moment you can't get out of from you too also about Michael Hutchins so they were all friends uh, in various ways and yeah it was a big loss for them and I'll just say real quick again Liz has commented way more, knows a ton about Duran Duran, and I just can't fit it all into this episode. Which brings me to the next uh, featured song. Behind you, for those of you watching, you see my, my album, What It Is. It's an EP. I recently remastered it and reissued it, so it is now streaming everywhere. The title song... What it is is one of my hits, quote unquote, whatever. It's um, people's one of people's favorite songs of mine, and it's still uh, quite a favorite. And I chose it for a couple reasons. One, I can't believe I hadn't chosen it before. Uh, it's it's been ever present in my life since I recorded it and released it. Uh, two, it falls right in line with the theme of this episode, which how which is how well known is well known. My music and Rex music played all over the world. I get quite a lot of streams for certain songs and some covers, some originals, and etc. Uh, but I would venture to say you don't know Rex, you don't know my music, and most people walking down the street wouldn't. But there's a chance you might have heard it and didn't know it, and you know I think that's a. Kind of goes right to the point of how well known is well known. It's everywhere. It's played, it's been played a couple million streams, whatever it is overall from various sources, I'll say. And uh, yet nobody would know the name. Um, But that's okay. People are enjoying it. Bonus episode again is you. There is no bonus episode. It is you coming to patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Just go there for free just so I can see your face or talk to you or whatever it is. Be a part of the family. And then if you're interested in the bonus content I provide, and I actually did uh, Ordinary World on acoustic guitar, which only my Patreon people get to see, uh, then you can stick around for uh, as little as $5 a month. Uh, that's that's the bonus episode so-called for this if you're, if, if you're one of those, these are the questions. If you're one of those people who commented, again, thank you. I love that you're commenting. That's why I do this. That's why I say at the end of every episode, if not, here's what I want to know as we start a new year, what topic would you like me to tackle in 2024 that you would comment on, that you would enter into a conversation with? Because I'm open to all kinds of music. Music is not a genre. That's why I do this. That's why I do the kind of show I do. And I and I would love to know more about what you want to hear. Uh, stay tuned in a couple seconds for the featured song, What It Is. I think you're going to love it. It's, it's also honestly one of my personal favorites. And thank you as always for watching and listening. My objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I'll talk to you next week.
1: My throat from the air I'm breathing, I know it's coming out of you. There's a catch in my throat from the air I'm wheezing, I know it's coming out of you. And God is in my hand. stop singing I know I heard it from you there's a sound in my ear and it won't stop ringing I know it's coming I- I can't stop singing, it's a sound in my ear and it won't stop ringing, it's a pain everywhere, it won't stop beating, it's I'm getting larger and the air is smaller It's a gun in my hand, makes me harder and I know it's coming, 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 I know it's coming